0: Listening to a special edition of MMA Fancast brought to you by Octagon247.com. We are here with
1: a very special edition of MMA Fancast. This is not your typical edition, this isn't even your typical special UFC 205 edition. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our first ever ever, travel edition of MMA FanCast. I am joined by my driver, my, my amigo, my friend, James Sahara Mooney. What's up, what's up, what's up? So as we take the voyage back to good old Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers and home of Octagon 24-7, which brings us MMA FanCast. We are we, we are outside of Manhattan. We are traveling uh, in New Jersey on our way home and we want to bring um, you more MMA content than
0: you could ever ask for. Isn't that right, Sahara? Yeah, there's uh, there's just so much that, with the size of the car that um, that 205 was, you know Dana White and UFC put together, um, and not just the size but the quality of the fights, you know from bottom to top. We've said it over and over again that to to try and get it all into one podcast is going to be difficult really for anybody because so much happened. In each of the fights, and we talked about storylines leading up to the fights and all the storylines surrounding Connor and his fight. There's just it's hard to break it down completely 205 into one podcast, and that's why we're going to do these little snippets, I guess you could say, um, and give you a breakdown of different parts of the event. So, we want to talk to you about the the co-main event
1: which on this card you could really <laughs> you could uh, many of these fights could have been a typical card co-main event but we had a real treat by having the welterweight championship on the line in the co-main event with Tyrone Woodley facing Wonderboy Steve Stephen Thompson and this was really a
0: heck of a fight it was to say, I mean, there, there's that that fight was extremely exciting. I'm still trying to figure out why Wonder Boy was the huge fan favorite, and there weren't that many in Woodley's camp because I see them both as pretty good guys. So I'm still a little befuddled by that. Brian, do you want to write that word down, befuddled? Befuddled. That, that has
1: way too many syllables for someone of my stature. So I am certain that I won't write that down, but I can verbally say it every once in a while. I'll have to put it into Siri and see what Siri says about that. Well, if you missed the fights, I, we're going to update you on what happened. So the fight was pretty close. There was a point in the in the fight, I think it was the fourth round, when Woodley had had uh, Thompson in all kind of trouble he had uh, he had st- stunned him and um, had him in a, in, a, in, a, in a choke and in a guillotine and he wouldn't he wasn't letting go and it appeared that the fight was gonna be over at several points during that time frame and what ends up happening is, Wonderboy <laughs> fights through that and and ends up getting out of that choke that looked deep, and he was on then on top to end the round, which the fans really appreciated at that Madison Square Garden
0: crowd. Well they, uh, they definitely uh, were going nuts, especially when when uh, Woodley's on he's on his back at this point and. That choke goes to the mat, and Thompson Wonderboy is on top, and he's not at this point. He's not trying to. I'm not saying he's not trying to get out. of it. He definitely was, but his his battle at that point was twofold. He was trying to escape from the choke, and at the same time, he's attacking Woodley's body and he's laying blows to um, to Woodley's uh, left side to his rib cage, which you know, definitely had to take something away from from Woodley, and um, and it, as that went on, a couple of things were happening. His arms were gassing, and he's starting to take some punishment from from the blows from Wonderboy. So um, this is the fight where where
1: Sahara really cemented that he will never be an MMA judge because this was a close fight, and this this bozo over here only gave one round to Wonderboy, which was unheard of to me. Um, I said it when he said it. I I said, this is a one-round fight, and I think whoever wins the fifth round could end up taking the fight. It came down to two judges. So the controversy in this fight came when two judges, the first two judges announced... First Buffer says Judge A scores about 47 to 47. Judge B scores about 47 to 47. And that's the point where I stopped listening because I, I knew it was a majority draw. I didn't know what the third judge had said, but after uh, how he had scored it, but after he continued, he says for the winner and still... Welterweight champion, and I and I and I was befuddled. There you go, befuddled. Excellent choice of words. I was could be befuddled. I I, you know my immediate thought was: Does the New York State Athletic Commission have a different rule for for a majority? Like I, I don't know. I I know it's under the unified boxing scoring, but and that wouldn't make sense to me that's what's going through my head. I'm going, is there a different rule for New York in order for them to be sanctioned that they had to have um, that not be a draw? But the controversy happened. That's what they announced. Rogan starts interviewing Woodley and during the beginning of that interview, right in the octagon, they start to realize, hey this isn't a, a Woodley win. This is a draw. And it was kind of awkward, and there was a pause, and and there was even awkward before that because as Bruce Buffer originally started to announce the winner, he had to stop, and he ran back out to the scores table, and was not didn't seem too pleased about that. That there was disorganization and and a little bit of chaos there, but it ended up all being the right outcome which is a majority draw when two judges score the bout as a draw then it's a draw the third judge's score it doesn't doesn't you're not going to have one person determine the winner of a fight so it ends up a draw and that was the controversy
0: yeah um it was, it was interesting to see that because as buffers coming out of the ring he like you said ryan he started talking he started announcing um The victory, and then he—it was just an odd moment, something I had never seen before. And he—he exits the ring, and you could tell that he—I mean—he was visibly upset. He goes over to the scores table, and you know, just his body language, you could see that he was not happy with those guys, whoever handed him that info, and you know, maybe even the judges—I'm not sure—but but he was upset. So then he. You know goes back and he starts coming up the steps and back into the ring. And he's got I don't know if he was his handheld mic or if he was mic'd up on his chest, but we could hear him say a split. Do you recall that? I heard him say split, yes. So then he goes back into the ring and that's he he finishes that um, call and that's when he announces that um, Woodley. Is and still yeah. announcing that. So so then you know going back to what you were saying before, Rogan starts his interview with Woodley, and we could see there's still some confusion and commotion starting to happen in the ring. And then Dana at this point comes in, and you from you know I mean, we weren't far from uh, from the octagon at all. And uh, you had mentioned that uh, that you saw Dana mouth majority draw. Said it to Stephen Thompson, who was who looked very
1: confused when and, and, and excited when he heard that because um, he had just just been told he lost and now he was learning that he didn't lose um, that it was in fact a draw.
0: Right. So that was that was just one thing that added to this fight. Now, Woodley. Prior to the fight, talks about how Wonder Boy is a puzzle, and he's trying to, in his camp, wanted to try and figure out how they were going to attack and defend against him. Um, Wonder Boy in the uh, the post fight press conference mentioned that he was he was tentative, and I guess that was respecting Woodley's power, um, you know, and he he held back a little bit, but did say that. He started getting some confidence, paraphrasing here, um, but you know, as the fight went on, and especially in that last round, um, and he, he said that he's anxious for a rematch, and after that, he'll take on anybody who wants to come and stand before him when he has the title. So he's already talking like he's passed Woodley in the second fight, and he's it's a given that he's going to be new champ
1: and that and that's the confidence that
0: any fighter has to
1: have is that you know he had a chance he had a little tryout, he had a little piece of learning what woodley was all about and he's confident that with that bit of knowledge it'll take him over the top to give him that that edge in the second fight in the rematch that he uh he he's earned and, and 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 I mean, they've already talked about, Dana White's already said, this is what makes sense. So, you know, barring something happening or an injury popping up, you know, sometimes these got, sometimes these guys have an, in, a lot of times these guys have an injury that um, they think, you know, it's a post-fight injury and their adrenaline's running and they don't realize the severity of it until um, the days after an event. And you'll hear that a lot of times, they'll... they'll They'll get their uh, med- medicals done afterwards and they'll get medically suspended for much longer periods of time than, than you would think. And and that's um, that's part of the normal course of, of events in, in MMA. But um, yeah, so I, I really think that that could be a great matchup. I think that that could headline a card. Um, the interest will be there because they did put on a heck of a show. Uh, I, I didn't think we saw the best of Wonderboy, I gotta be honest with you. I was disappointed in his hesitancy. I was disappointed in, I mean, I just feel like he's a dynamic kind of fighter that does some different things, and I didn't think we saw that. I, thi- I think he hesitated a lot and, and showed um, too much respect for Woodley, which I think Woodley has amazing power. But to, to go toe-to-toe, I think that Wonderboy's skill set should be better in a stand-up game than, than Woodley's. And he's just got to—especially in the fifth round, I felt like he needed to win that round. And he did, I
0: believe, but he certainly didn't act desperate. Right now if we just if we try to analyze the rematch and I don't know if that's gonna happen at uh, 208 which I'm guessing you know that's gonna be uh, beginning of 2017 um, maybe uh, 209 but uh, it's setting up for one of those uh, next big pay-per-view events and I agree with you I think that this is a fight that could easily headline whichever uh, whichever one that would be But if we you know jump ahead and we speculate you know that there will be a rematch um, which you know wonderboys looking for i think the edge goes goes to S- Stephen thompson because we didn't get to see a lot of his kickboxing skills he attempted some here and there but he never really got into it it was like he was testing it out like you said before so this was you know that trial to see how almost like you know, he was he was feeling him out, but he really did that, you know, for too long. Yeah, f- basically for four rounds, and yeah. you could see coming out in the fifth round. Um, I got the impression that he felt like he might be behind, and this is the round that he needed to try and either either one make a statement um, that he deserves a rematch, or you know, may, and 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 try and. and if he can't finish him that he would deserve um, a shot at the title again or maybe he felt like it was 2-2 at that point and this is the round that he's got to go out and he's got to be the aggressor which he definitely came out much more aggressive in that round than any of the others so I would give the edge to Thompson um, but you know and that's not taking anything away from Woodley because there was definitely some tentativeness on his part too, because we saw him, his uh, his, his right foot back back foot, literally on the edge of the cage, um, and just standing there. So I don't know if that was part of the puzzle that he had mentioned several times and waiting to see what Thompson will do. But there were some things that that we saw from Woodley that seemed um, not not too clean. So he's got some things to clean up in his. Um, fight prep for the next match Yeah And
1: and uh,
0: You know Wonderboy has
1: A great future ahead of him I, I agree that, that A rematch favors Wonderboy um, I think he's at a stage in his career Where he's He's learning still And each one of those Tough fights Is a Will propel him to become a better fighter, whereas you know if you look at the age of of um, Woodley, and I think he's already reached his prime, and he's in it, but he's not going to get better. Um, and maybe he will. I, I, this is purely. Um, I think he's 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 kind of peaked right now, and and Woodley's only, Woodley will. Uh, Sorry, Wonder Boy will continue to get better, so that's why I kind of see that um, favoring uh, Wonder Boy a
0: little bit. Now, the one thing that I did see from Woodley was uh, was some strong kicks, and he was able to um, to match, so to speak, Wonder Boy's kicks because he didn't really bring that much. He didn't utilize his kickboxing skills all that much. I see that you know going forward, if there's uh, you know, Wonder Boy and a Woodley two. That Wonder Boy is going to try and knock his head off with with some kicks. You know, maybe switch kicks or roundhouses. But um, it's definitely going to be a much bigger part in the rematch if that's the next fight that we see. Woodley did mention that he was going to um, pause um, and talk to his camp, you know, and his guys, and and really evaluate what would be the, the next move and the best move for him. So he didn't want to come right out and say, yeah, sure, um, I'll give him a rematch. He, he's, uh, I think he's going to be very calculated in making his next move. And maybe that's to try and set himself up for, I don't want to say an easier fight, but one that he's got more wiggle room in, uh, in a more of an advantage. Um, because I, I think the only way that
1: that rematch is not made is if McGregor wants to go up to
0: 1-7. Right, and that, that's where I was going to go with that, that that might be something that Woodley's considering in the back of his mind as a payday, you know, where he doesn't, um, he can put his belt on the line, you know, uh, and, and get that big payday thinking that he's going to overmatch um, McGregor. Well, I think that anyone who
1: takes McGregor lightly at this point is a fool. And um, I agree that it's a big jump up in weight. That's a big difference from you know 145, which is what he has fought at his whole career until uh, he wanted to jump up against Rafael Dos Anjos originally and then eventually fought Diaz at 170. But that wasn't intended to be a, a fight at 170. And the rematch was obviously um, because, because they had fought at 170 the first time. McGregor wanted to do it that way the second time. And... But not to... We're going to jump around a little bit here. Um, we had... In the first fight of the night, we had Ra- Raquel Pennington and Misha Tate. And this was a surprise to me because I really thought that Misha would come back from her loss, her title loss, and come back strong and come back hungry and and want to recapture the glory um, that comes along with being the champion. And um, she didn't look, she didn't look um, hungry. She didn't look be the misha that we have known now misha's always kind of gotten off to slow starts and that kind of happened again again this time um but i thought misha would come
0: back from that and it just wasn't happening and and raquel
1: pennington really took a tour and scored a fairly
0: lopsided victory i i agree with that i wasn't expecting um, the announcement to be immediately. Um, I, th- uh, I think you had mentioned that you thought that she, this was something she was considering, but didn't expect it to occur in the ring, and um, and she did get Rogan's attention because it looked as though he was going to complete the interview with Pennington, and then that was it.
1: Well, so what Jim's referring to is after this fight, um, Misha Tate uh, after Pennington's interview Misha Tate hung around and waited for Rogan to be done with his interview with Pennington and I, it didn't appear to me that the UFC had asked her or she had been asked to wait around because Rogan kind of turned around and looked surprised that she was there and she said something to him before the he started interviewing her and he quickly popped up the microphone and began to interview her and said what did you just say and she said oh I you know want to thank the fans and thank you know whatever she said but then she said you know she announced that this would be her last fight and she was retiring from active competition and um, that she loves um she still loves the, the game but that she was uh she was done and that was shocking. Um, a little bit, yeah. I think, her, I think her main motivation, hindsight, looking at this in hindsight, her main motivation now may have been to have a third fight with Rousey. And once that became clear that that wasn't going to happen with that loss, um, I think... I think that she just said, "Okay, I'm not getting the champion. I'm not getting the title. I'm, I'm not facing Rousey and getting the the huge payday. I think I've had enough."
0: Yeah. And uh, what was Pennington was eight and six coming into that. Correct. So I was thinking, all right, six losses in this um, division. How is that going to set her up for um, you know down the road? Can she put herself in line? um, maybe, you know, two, two back, three back to, to get a shot at the title with that kind of record, um, she really need, would need to make a statement, and I'm talking uh, still about Pennington, um, against, uh, Misha Tate, and she did, she, she did not look like an eight and six fighter, I, I had, um, some of my notes on that fight were that she started off with stiff, stiff jabs, um, to start, and then midway through that first round, she went for the choke. Tate was eventually uh, able to escape, and she took it to the ground um, with top and back control. And I had that, that um, could have been scored either way by the judges, but um, but I was, you know, we were giving it to Pennington. Um, and then round two was the same thing. She continued that jab, and that's really how that that fight played out that she she just stuck with that and was very persistent so if that's the type of fighter that she's gonna show us going forward you know I think that that she's got something that's gonna match up against uh, you know potentially Rousey down the road uh, or Nunez if if that's who is still um, the title holder but yeah I'm back to Tate though I think she did say something along the lines of when uh, when Rogan asked her if this fight had played into um, her decision, and she did say that it did. So going going back to what you were saying, um, it was definitely a factor with what the outcome was.
1: And. Misha Tate has done so much for this sport, so much for women's MMA, second only, in my opinion, to Ronda Rousey. She will be sorely missed not only in this division, but in women's MMA in general. I think she's gonna she's leaving a legacy um, of the the you know number two women's MMA fighter so far in history, and Uh, her popularity has continued to gain traction with uh, when she was on the Ultimate Fighter she was viewed as um, Rousey's competition and and kind of Rousey was not really viewed in that in a very positive light and Misha was and so um, she's she's someone that I know I, I respect a lot and look look at very fondly and she will be missed in women's MMA Moving on um, to oh one other thing, uh, we had mentioned Pennington and her record is actually uh, prior to this fight was eight and five, not eight and six. So she's now nine and five um, in her MMA career. Uh, you know we had Yoel Romero and Chris Weidman. And you know Weidman, this was such a big fight for him, being in front of his hometown crowd, and the hometown crowd was really
0: behind him, weren't they, Jim? It it was a it was a Weidman crowd, it was a Wonderboy crowd, it was a McGregor crowd. but Yes, um, everyone that was supporting the uh, the two guys that I mentioned, um, aside from Weidman were all in the Weidman camp as well, and Chris Weidman and Romero went toe to toe. um, A very a lot of jockeying for position in that first round, really trying to feel each other out uh, because both uh, wrestling backgrounds, outstanding wrestlers, um, but you know, having I think uh, my prediction was. Weidman, I took Weidman as the victor, and was going. I was thinking that there was going to be a fatigue issue coming from Romero, and we did see that a little bit. But um, I don't think he even put enough exertion into the first
1: couple, the first two rounds. He did not. He was not very active, and so I didn't. I didn't think that he could be truly gassed yet which that was the concern hey you know this guy's a world beater in the first round but you make him work hard and and uh, and you know he tires up quickly and the guy has so much mu- holds so He's much muscle that um, that that takes a lot of oxygen and that takes a lot of a uh, lot
0: out of you carrying that much muscle maybe that was part of um, his fight prep and fight plan to not coast, but to pace himself, so that he can go, he can still be strong as that fight progresses. I think you
1: said it right, Sahara. The first time he took, he, he, I don't think he was pacing himself. He he he, he took the first round off. <laughs> yeah. He said, "I guess I'll get started in the second round because he was not active at all, um, and 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 Weidman was very active." So the first round I had going to, to Weidman and then, and then uh, round two. You know, Weidman went for a bunch of shots, and, and Romero shucked them off pretty easily each time. So um, Wideman was never, ever uh, close to getting a takedown. He, he had um, just totally been stuffed in his takedown
0: attempts. Right. When the first round um, Weidman... Uh, went for the shoot four times. Um, His last one was um, the most successful of those four where he ended up in the standing back control. But other than that, there was not much action. Um, Round one definitely went to Weidman. Um, Round two uh, went to UL after um, taking Weidman to the fence um, or then finished on top. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Weidman finished on top. On the second round? Yeah. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Romero was Romero on top. Romero finished on top. Correct. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was basically the same thing that we saw in round one. Uh, but that's where Romero started um, becoming more active, and he eventually moved the fight to the fence, and, uh, and that's where and he Romero, ended up on Romero
1: tripped him, tripped him to the floor... And then Weidman popped back up, and as he was getting up, Romero forced him back down and uh, got him down in and, and some good old-fashioned ground-and-pound, and, pound and uh, he took his back, and, and he, uh, he had some short shots right before the bell. Right. So and then round three. Round three. What round was it? It was round three. Very ugly round. Terry Dactyl, what round was it?
0: I don't know. Sorry, Terry. Terry's been very quiet on this trip. He's been with us the whole time. For whatever reason, Terry's choosing not to talk. Sorry, guys. Anyway, um,
1: we, the third round is where all of the, the shock came into Madison Square Garden. Um, Romero was wide uh, landed a kick to the body. Early in the in the fight, and then Romero—it
0: was—it was like that. I mean, it was like he, a flash of lightning.
1: He—he flew. He gave. Weidman he looked like he was coming in to shoot, and Romero just went up, flying knee, crushed Weidman, and he followed it up with punches, and
0: Weidman was completely um, obliterated. He, with that he, he had no idea where he was at that point. He was. Um, you can see he was. He was physically hurt. On the replay, you could see the grimace on his face as he's going down. And he was just even sitting there on the floor of the ring. Um, he was. He just looked badly beaten. And now that's two in a row for Weidman because he took a pretty good beating against Rockle. And this was supposed to be. Him coming back out trying to make a statement against somebody who is known for power and quickness to get back to um, a title shot against Bisbee.
1: And that obviously won't happen. Instead, Joel Romero will be the
0: one that destroys Big Which I think that's, um, I'm interested to see what the lines will be. Not that uh, I'm a betting guy, but um, to see who's gonna be the favorite. I think it's very clear who the favorite's going to be.
1: I I would be I surprised if he's not a two-to-one
0: favorite. Um, you might be right. Bisping has no chance. I'm going to um, disagree with you on the favorite aspect. I do think that Romero will come out on top at least now um, without really having uh, any time to prep and analyze those two fighters, but... I don't know what Bisping really has that is going to be able to keep uh, UL. And he May. has to keep his distance. He has
1: to keep it a boxing match and not a not a slugfest. And he can't let Romero get in tight and in close on him because it will be over.
0: Tremendous wrestler um, in Romero. So if he wants to get the takedown against Misping, I think he's going to be successful. And maybe that will be part of his fight plan to you know, use his quickness where you know, he's kind of slow and methodical in, uh, in luring his opponent into, into this state where they're not expecting a shoot. And then once he, he gets his hands on them, he tosses him around like a ragdoll. He's just got that power, not just in his his um, his punches, but in the way that he can handle his opponent and move him around and control them, and get him to where he wants, and then he can finish the fight. Yeah, you know, something, a trend I'm noticing
1: with fighters, and this is something that Chris Wadman did um, leading into the fight, is fighters are, like, spelling out their game plan. like. I heard been talk about, you know, he was going to try to wear um, Romero out and in the first round, or make him work hard, and and uh, and then get him tired, and then be able to control the fight from there. And, and I think that's a good strategy. I do. That's what I think he should have done. But why say it? But but why say it? Exactly. And. You know that trend has seemed to be happening more now than than I've ever heard before. Where you're kind of giving away your game plan, and I I just think that's something that needs to be reevaluated. Like Chris Weidman, you, you shouldn't be telling him that's what you're trying to do. Look at the result. He he coasted as long as he could until you got comfortable standing with him, and he still had all his power left. <coughs> jokingly had said that he had, um, uh, Yoel, Yoel Romero was, uh, did a cargo somersault flip, backflip, whatever he, and he was gassed, Yeah, and, and we jokingly were like, oh, he's gassed after that, you know, but he really impressed me, um, he did pace himself, if that's what you want to call it. I think he pretty much took the first, uh, round off, and pretty much... Most of the second round
0: as well, but um, it paid off for him. You know what? Maybe going back to what you said, Ryan. Maybe that uh, that was his fight plan because of what you just said, and that uh, Weidman said he was going to come out and try and wear him down in the first round. So that's what I just said. Yeah, but uh, talking about Romero and maybe he took what was being said publicly and used that to his advantage. That's what. That's what I was saying. That for to Sahara,
1: I don't. What are you saying? I'm trying say to say th- what you're gonna say, say what you say, to- say what you say. Um, and give me that bomb beat from Dre. I think last night was the first time in the history of New York City that Biggie Smalls was booed because we had Eddie Alvarez come into Biggie, 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 Biggie. Who's Biggie Smalls? Yeah, he's the illest.
0: Anyway, um, see, when when you're working with. When when you're you're talking that kind of language, that leaves me. What does it leave me? You're elderly. Befuddled. It's hard working with the elderly, and so
1: Jim sometimes. Blah, blah, blah. You and your elderly. He. I'm surprised you heard me with your uh, old man ears. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. Um, what else? What else are we going to talk about there? James Sahara. Well, there,
0: there was uh, one particular fight that I think we all really um, knew what the outcome was. But it was definitely, you know, a, a thing of wonder to watch uh, because we've heard about it but never really got to witness it, and that was Khabib. And what he did to Michael Johnson. Now, if you've never seen Khabib fight,
1: some people don't like his fight fighting style because it's ground fighting and it's a lot of wrestling and ground and pounding. And the level that he does it at, that he ground and pounds, is I don't think anyone else can do
0: what he does. Now, yeah, before we really get into... The, um, the commentary on this fight, I want you all out there in podcast land, listening to MMA Fancast, to sit back and listen to this, because Ryan, Dog Middleton, is going to pronounce Khabib's last name for us. Um, that's probably
1: not going to happen come there, Come on, Sahara. come on, come on. His name is Khabib. He's like Prince.
0: Uh-huh. He doesn't need any other name. Okay, the UFC fighter formerly known as Khabib. Khabib. Yeah, that's all there is.
1: So I'm not a big named guy. I like people's first names. Joanna.
0: Right. Carolina. Uh-huh. Khabib. And you did mention in one of your articles on octagon247.com, um, in case you haven't checked it out, Ryan's got an article out there where he does talk about um, the two women, Joanna and Carolina. And he does say they will forever from that point forward be referred to by him as Joanna and Carolina. See, the just because for Ryan, Middleton is hard to pronounce. So he doesn't even tell anybody his last name. He hands you a card and says, This is my last name. Just call me Ryan. Listen, if you, I mean, you could try to make fun of me, but it's, it really, you're not funny they're just old. There's no try, Ryan. They're just old. And as Yoda says, there is no try, only do. Khabib absolutely
1: demolished Michael Johnson.
0: Manhandled him. It was, it was like a bear mauling um its prey. It, it, it was
1: it was unbelievable the level of domination that he established in that fight and he just completely
0: destroyed him. His, uh, his ground game um, is, is strong because of his wrestling and the way that he was able to get Michael Johnson into different holds um, and then start landing blows. There was at one point somehow he had Michael Johnson pinned um, beneath his legs but behind him and and Khabib is reaching back with, uh, with his right and landing blows to Johnson's head who is at this point behind him again and in between his legs and he's landing blows and uh, if you can go out there and find um, some footage of that you want to see it because our explanation, our um, describing that particular scene isn't really doing justice to what he did. Because that was just one small little glimpse into the complete mauling and manhandling that Khabib laid down on Michael Johnson. I mean, Michael
1: Johnson knew coming into this fight that Khabib was gonna wanna take him to the ground and that Khabib was gonna wanna ground and pound him. So Michael Johnson needed to keep this fight standing for as long as possible and uh, for all intents and purposes, he needed to keep it standing, period. But I don't know exactly when that takedown came in the first round. Um, I would say as a, based on memory, I don't know, maybe a minute or so into the fight and may- maybe a little longer, a uh, minute and a half maybe. And after that, it was all she wrote. He, he, he just absolutely pummeled Michael Johnson on the ground and and there was so watching different fights you have guys that are good takedown uh, you know Frankie Edgar can take guys down but you know a lot, it's hard to keep fighters this skill level down um, and Frankie Edgar had that problem with uh, with little heathen um, Jeremy Stevens. So, Jeremy Stephens would just pop right back up as soon as Frankie got the takedown. When Khabib takes you
0: down, you're down until the bell rings. Yeah. What was uh, we were talking to some of the guys around us, some of the other fans when we were inside, and uh, and you threw out a stat to uh, to one of the other fans about Khabib, and I think it was 21. He. And that was actually,
1: I believe, that was shown on the scoreboard um, on the Jumbotron at Madison Square Garden. Uh, So I'm assuming that was on the pay-per-view broadcaster. That uh, that was a prelim. So that was, I believe it was on the Fox Sports. FS1. FS1. Um, But 21, he has a record for, he had 21 takedowns in one fight, which, which to me means he let a guy get up twenty, well, at least one, two, three, at least eighteen times. The guy got up. So, but not not to, not yesterday. Right. Michael Johnson didn't get up one time from being smothered and manhandled and being in crucifixes and being in bad positions, side control, full mount. I mean, he had his way with yeah. Scattered,
0: smothered, and covered. And Waffle House, you owe us for that one. Scattered, smothered, and covered. We're coming to you, Waffle House.
1: Well, we just had our first technical difficulty on the uh, travel edition of MMA FanCast. Our microphone got disconnected. What you all missed was the fact that Old Man Sahara not For- true. Forgot the ending of the Michael Johnson and Khabib fight. And it ended with a Michael Johnson being forced to tap from a Kimura that Khabib laid on him. Mooney was on record as saying that it was a decision win, which it was not. I never said it was a decision. You said a
0: decision. I did not. Dude, I got the notes. I got the notes right here. I have the event notes, which I'm gonna put on octagon247.com. Octagon247.com. You will see my event notes. Pants Uh
1: just caught on fire. For
0: every single fight, we are gonna burn in a car in Pennsylvania. Except for the McGregor
1: fight. Please uh-huh. save us. Mooney's pants are on fire. I did not say decision. You totally said decision, Right. I, I got, said right, how did look, it, look, look right it here. It doesn't matter. That's not what you said. I never said decision. Yes, you did. You said I no. said out of the fight end. You said decision.
0: No. You, you are because a liar. I talked about how Johnson was still on the mat, and Khabib comes over to. I don't know. You know that could have happened him. after a decision. No, no. You not, are. You not are when your team money. is surrounding you, and the uh, the ring doctor is at your side and checking on you. The guys, this is the kind
1: of crap I have to deal with every single day Mooney's pants catch on fire more than anyone I know the guy's memory is shot he's in a, he's like an elderly like confused lost patient and this is what I have to deal with so um, yeah that's that's what it is Let's talk about
0: Joanna and Carolina okay go but before we do I want because you refuse to pronounce kabib's last name. Nurmagomedov. good. Try it. Since you couldn't do that, I want you to... You can pick either one. Joanna, Jedrzejczyk. Check. All right? All right. So, I don't care. That's, that's how MMA fan cast pronounces our last name. So, let's talk about
1: fights. Do you want to talk about fights, old man? Let's talk about fights. Okay, old man Mooney's willing to talk about fights now. Joanna and Carolina um, was... was a little bit of feeling out process again. I think nerves for this fight, for this for this event, were at an all time high, and and as well they should be. Um, there was a lot of feeling out early in the fight, and by both, uh, by both, yeah, they were both feeling each other out, and it wasn't until um, maybe late in the first round that we really started seeing some
0: action. Yeah, I um, I've referenced these two because of their names in my uh, event notes, just as J and K. So I had in the first round, it was equal pursuit, a little bit of dirty boxing a couple times, where Joanna landed more significant punches. And that's really how the fight started to progress, that she was definitely um, landing almost two to one um, against Carolina. But as the fight wore on, Carolina then started to come on, and she got more confidence. She eventually ended up with a straight right um, to the nose of Joanna and broke her nose. Um, so she, these two actually have a history together where they fought each other in the amateur ranks. So there was some familiarity with each other before the you know before this event last night. I think, Ryan, you mentioned this, and I totally agree with you. You mentioned this last night. I think this is the beginning of what could turn out to be a pretty good rivalry. I think it is. I think the, the stage is set for the 115-pound
1: women's weight division to have a good top-of-the-division rivalry with, with these two. I think that uh, uh, Carolina has, is marketable and has some marketable qualities. Um, and Joanna is certainly marketable with her, you know, her, her ferocity, if, if that's even a word. Um, but, yeah, so it was a unanimous decision win for Joanna. But I think really sets the stage for this to be, you know, a really good rivalry going forward. Uh it was uh, two, two judges, all three judges scored it at 49, 46. So Carolina only got one round. I think that was the fourth round. Right. Is that when she, she had her. So Carolina, uh, let me just say this. <clears throat> she had Joanna in, in trouble.
0: couple li- times. For a little while there. The I'd say round. like uh, three times total. Definitely once where she was, you know, the, the fight, you know, if she were able to land, maybe one or two have possibly ended the fight and she
1: you got to give credit to joanna because she did recover and she did come back and uh a mutual show of respect after the fight which is pretty much what we got universally last night in madison square garden even despite the lead up into the fights having some animosity um particularly with this one obviously with conor mcgregor and eddie alvarez as well and everyone was cordial and good sports um, that I can remember. Do you remember anyone
0: not no behaving well? No. Um, it, it definitely uh, I, I was waiting to see how McGregor would handle it, and Alvarez was still on the mat. I think at that point he might have been on his knees, and um, he went over. Or no, he was standing up, I think, and he went over to Alvarez and was gracious in victory, um, and in um, congratulating if you want to say that Um, but going over and giving some props to his opponent Alvarez not you know sticking it to him um, directly in his face although afterwards he did have his comment which you know Connor is known for giving you something that's you know gonna leave you quoting him for you know uh, a while to come with with his I apologize to no one yeah and and he certainly steals the show,
1: but there was certainly much else to talk about, much um, that happened last night. There was a, a, a couple other great fights, great finishes. Jim Miller gets gets a win against Tiago Alves and gets to kind of um, punish him for, for not making weight. And I, I don't know, Tiago just didn't look like um, the fighter he was at 170. Um, I think that Jim Miller is a lot better than um, I think a lot of people give him credit for and, and being on the, on the um, fight pass portion of the card uh, shows that how deep this card was but um, that's gonna wrap us up Tim Bush also got a great knockout victory uh, big victory for him puts him in line to uh, to do some to do some damage in the top ten in the division. So uh, we're so glad you joined us. We will have our regular podcast that is we do every Sunday night and we have out by Monday morning. Joining us for that podcast will be what well, we're going to require him. We're going to require him to speak. Yeah, will be Terry Dactyl and you all can look forward to that. He's going to have lots of questions because we're going to be honest with you. The last couple days we've been podcasting and we've pretended like he was here, but that was actually us. That was actually me saying, hey, this is pterodactyl. It wasn't really pterodactyl. We apologize. We didn't mean to mislead you. We didn't mean to mislead our audience. We just missed pterodactyl with all of our hearts. I say
0: we use honor's line. We apologize to no one.
1: We apologize to... So, no. Let me let me go through the... i got to do the whole thing. Okay. Terry Dactyl was not really with us. But listen here, audience. That leads me to this. For misleading you, misleading our audience, MMA Fancast, Ryan Middleton, on behalf of MMA Fancast, would like to apologize to absolutely none of you. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Please uh, like our page on Facebook. Check out our website octagon247.com and uh, subscribe to this podcast. Forward to seeing you, talking to you in a future date and um, yeah email us as well we we know you guys got questions we already got questions coming in um, we'd like to answer those on the podcast so uh, send your questions to info at octagon247.com remember octagon is spelled O-C-T-A-G-O-N and uh, we look forward to receiving those questions and being able to answer them on the podcast God bless and have a great rest of your day.